Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley's Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. And welcome to another episode of The Mandalorian Recap. With your friends here at the Wretched High Podcast, my name is Steve Baldwin. I am joined by Dave Potter, Greg Lent, and Scott Ivansky. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Wait, I, th- I thought you said Greg Lent, not Nico. <laughs> well, I said gentlemen, so that, that's why Nico's not able to uh, join. join. Apparently, we can't have anything, any fun on this episode, so there's no uh, genital sports or anything nope. like that. There, there will be no jocularity today. Yeah. Oh, have as much jocularity right as you want. We're just going to get it done in 30 minutes. All business. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we are diving <laughs> into the Mandalorian. <laughs> the Mandalorian season two, episode five. Title of this episode is The Jedi, written and directed by Mr. Dave Filoni. Hack. AKA savior of all that is Star Wars. Um, and uh, boy, kind of uh, a few a few uh, big reveals in this episode. If you're a Star Wars fan, you should be pretty excited about this one. Um, I think you're really kind of underselling it. I mean, this was kind of a huge episode. This was this 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 was a mytho- this was not just a mythology episode. It was a mythology episode in all caps. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, Scott. Uh, your first impression of off the top. Um, High-level thoughts on this episode, Scott. Steve, I just looked at the time. I don't have enough time to talk about this, so I'm going to go full <laughs> throttle on this one. Are you ready? Take okay. a breath. You're sound like the character in that Micro Mini God. Machines commercial from when High we were level. kids. High level. Scott, you've, you've got to do like those deep sea divers, the guy who's, the guys who free dive. you got to take like four quick deep breaths and then just let it all out. Just do it. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. This is an amazing episode. There's just too much, seriously, to unpack in this entire episode. So, uh, yeah, my my ultimate feeling is best one so far. Best of one. the season or the series or I talking? I'm actually going to say of the series um, because of some reasons we'll talk about later. But, yes, I would say the series. All right, Dave. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a two-word review in the spirit of last week. And uh, my two-word review is that uh, I really liked it. <laughs> all right and uh right on par greg what'd you think of this one i sincerely enjoyed this episode a lot i heard from a lot of my mm, middling star wars fans and a lot of the the big time star wars fans they're agreeing with scott on this one favorite episode of the entire series i think that uh that was super strong there was a lot going on we we've talked about the non-clone wars watching people would they be able to catch up and this one brought a lot to the table uh bringing in new new fans and uh including the old fans giving them the the hints that they craved everything like that so i mm-hmm. i don't think they could have done a better job i'm super super proud of Dave Filoni writing and directing and finally getting to see his creation so katana 
<laughs> right. So I, I will I will pile on the uh, praise on this one. I'm going to steal a two word review from Dave yesterday. I think it was the text message. The most consequential episode of the Mandalorian to date. Those are some long two words right there. That's <laughs> well, it's a, it's a three syllable. It's a three syllabolic <laughs> word. So I don't know. We don't, we usually don't use this on this show. Those those on this show, guys. Um, if there was any doubt right off the bat, well, if there was any doubt that we were going to get some Jedi action in this show, those doubts were eased. 30 seconds in when we see a dual lightsaber being uh, being wielded by one Ahsoka Tano. Not even uh, not even hinting at the uh, introduction, just like full up right on front street, putting her out in the the first scene. Oh, I loved it. Clearly, clearly this was her episode, her debut on the on the Mandalorian for sure. Um, And we have not seen her anywhere but Clone Wars and Rebels and and. Um, the books, right? I mean, this is this is the first time we're seeing any live action Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, unless yeah. you're in a comic. Greg, you're the one who just said it, but yeah, right out the gate, I love that. No hesitation. We're not waiting till the middle of the episode. We're not waiting till a secret reveal at the end. Let's just throw her full throttle into battle at the beginning, which was just amazing. The fog effects, the the igniting of the sabers the kind of jumping around this playing this like almost like a little ninja fighting game that was it was amazing yeah i liked how they used the turning on and turning off effect of the lightsabers to you know hide where she's at you know they use this as a as a distraction tactic to move to the next position very tactically like and and very sneaky so yeah, yeah really impressed with that yeah, the visuals in this one again. The show has been spot on. I think we've been talking about this from the beginning, but how how great visually the show is. But I agree that opening segment it brought back um, a little bit of like the episode one when we first see Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Not not when we first see them, sorry, but they they're coming out of the room that had been gassed, and you just see the lightsabers. Yeah. Um, really, really great stuff. No, uh, I just, it also just drives really- home the idea that the Jedi are just overpowered. In yeah. video game turns, they're OP compared to everybody else. Yeah, like it's not a level battlefield when a Jedi steps onto the battlefield. What I discovered is I really, really like the effect of lightsabers in fog or smoke, what, what have you. Uh, I thinking back to Episode Two, and as much as I hate to say it, Attack the Clones, the 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 fight between Dooku and and Anakin, where they're kind of immersed in smoke and everything like that. Even the Empire Strikes Back, somewhat too. Mm. Uh, just it, it looks really cool. The the glowing red and blue sabers in this and the smoke effect. It's a really cool look. Right, and she uses it to her advantage, right, to hide uh, as she's as she's battling the uh, those troops that are in the in the decimated forest outside the the city complex. Um, what do you think of overall of the look of Ahsoka? I mean, I'll well, I'll just jump in with I I loved how she moved. I mean, my my kid was. You know, jo- I saw it before any of the kids, and Josh said, well, how does she look? Does she look like she looked in the Clone Wars? And I I thought they did a great job with her overall look, and how even how she was running in the fog, it looked like the animated character. Yeah. I thought they did a great job. When she, you know, leaps into battle into the, into the city, um, very, you know, Japanese garden-influenced style of the city here, jumping up on the rooftops, um, 
yeah, really, really impressed with the effects of this of this episode. Um, so yeah, I I, I concur. I, you know, they I I know that some people are going to be a, upset that maybe what's her name Ashley oh, Ashley Einstein, who who voiced Ahsoka Tano yeah, and the... did not get a chance. But you know, having a I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a more mature actor uh, portraying her, I thought was a good was a good move because she's obviously very young in the Clone Wars cartoon. And this did not look like an old person, but it looked like somebody who was mature and experienced. And and I I appreciate her look in a live action role in here. Um, I think yeah. more more so than Ashley Eckstein. Sorry, Ashley Eckstein fans. Yeah, I, I agree, Greg. Um, I, and no no slam on Ashley here, but seriously, um, if she would have played it, I don't know how she is as a like a real physical actress playing parts and stuff, but. I think Rosario Dawson brings that that level of maturity that you brought, but and she's not that old. She's in her thirties, I think. But she made um, she made the character look aged, like when they did her towards the end of the series of Clone Wars. Um, and she, I don't know. I want to see say aged. I want to say age appropriate. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. she's definitely not old. No, well, but in, to your point, in the Clone Wars, as a Padawan, she would have been the equivalent of a human teenager at that point. Yeah. yeah. And this is, what, 25, 30 years after the Clone Wars? So she, in human terms, I, I don't know how her species age or looks out. Like, it would be a, a late 30s human female as opposed to a teenage human female that she would have seen in the Clone Wars. So aging yeah. is is the right way to put it. Yeah, I think her species, Dave, is like 200 or 300 years, not quite like a Yoda, but a lot longer than a human lifespan. But I think what also is was established was in the Clone Wars, we did see her mature. So it's just it just fit the part. And I think Rosario Dawson actually just nailed it. Like she just had great it's, moments. And she had some of the movement down. Like I remember talking about how Katie Sackhoff had some of the movements of Bo-Katan down, mm-hmm. you know, even just how she would run and fight in a couple of sequences. Rosario Dawson had the same thing with Ahsoka here, just in some of the running and the moves, like it looked like the animated episode. She had clearly watched yeah. the episodes I'm, and I'm like, oh, that's how the, she does this. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going right. to call out the way she holds her lightsabers too. She yeah. she has a very unconventional grip of her lightsabers, you know, with the, with the blades pointing down from her hands instead of the traditional holding it up like a regular sword. She holds it almost like she's going to come in for a stabbing motion with a knife, you know? And and did that and and it looked just like it did in the cartoons from what I remember. Well, and I think you that's the advantage of having Filoni do both. Also, this is uh, as you mentioned, Greg, in the in the opening. You know, this is Filoni's character. He built this character out of. There's a lot of uh, love and and um, and commitment to this character on um, around the Star Wars universe. But from Dave Filoni, he you know this is his baby, and he knows how she moves. He knows how she speaks. And boy, that translated to to live action just perfectly. I thought Rosario Dawson, her athleticism was just incredible. I I thought she did a fantastic physical job. And in terms of the voice acting, you know, there are a lot of examples of this. Like, I don't think we want James Arnold Taylor, who who nails the the middle aged Obi-Wan Kenobi playing Obi-Wan Kenobi on screen. It just doesn't look anything like him. Um and with all with all due respect to um, what Ashley did uh, in the animated series, I just think Rosario Dawson is a dead ringer for this character. It just it's a good fit physically, and um, you know there's a little more maturity I think to the voice and to her, just the the way she is on screen. That um, Ashley Eckstein was better at the younger Ahsoka. Yeah, 
And so they, they each have their part in the Star Wars universe. And I'm, I'm down with what Rosario did with this. You're not going to put Jake Lloyd in the Darth Vader costume, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> For many, uh, many reasons. <laughs> uh, just a couple of visuals. When the Razor Crest is, is um, coming to the planet, um, I loved how they had uh, one of the uh, one of the guys behind the wall was tracking tracking the Razor Crest as it as it approached um, like the Rebel Trooper on Yavin. Mm-hmm. You guys caught that. That was great. Um, we we quickly discover that she wants information from the leader. From then we find out this leader's name is Morgan Elsbeth. Morgan Elsbeth is the um, the magistrate, now, and Ahsoka. I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. That that name does not ring any bells for me outside of the episode we just watched the other day. Um, does that is that something we should know? No, the guys she, who watch. No, it I don't know. think so. Okay, she's a new no. character, but a lot of information was was poured out in this episode about her and what she's doing there. And Steve, you glossed over some planet stuff because yeah, there's some really great information when you see the planet for the first time. You can see you, we were told that she was going to the forest moon. Of uh, oh good god now I forgot the name of it. <laughs> um, whatever. Th- oh, Calgon, take me away. Not Navarro. That's Cor- where they were last week. Corvus uh, was it Corvus? Cor- I think Corvus. Corvus. Yeah, right. Corvus. Thank you. So the first thing you see when you're seeing him come up on that planet is there is just mass destruction. You actually see mm-hmm. from space like burn sections of the planet, which will lead us to her character and what she's doing, basically working for the Empire and has been around for a long time. But you're right, Greg. Uh, reel it back to that. She was a new character, right? Excellent. And and the difference between the the planet that they're just you know destroying to help the empire you know get resources from you know wherever that's what the empire does. They go from planet to planet and scour it for resources. Um, contrast that to the inside of the sort of the 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 base where she's living, not the base, but her. I don't know what would you call that. Her. Um, compound or compound yeah which is just lush and green and there's the water and you know it's it's beautiful in there compared to the planet which has been milled for everything it has by the empire well i think we learned by the end of the episode i won't give away too much but that it's actually a city on that planet and she's taken it over while they plunder this this planet we actually heard them i think use the word plunder a couple times once in this episode and once in a previous episode, but I think what the big deal is here is that she is basically taking control, and she, and they do establish that she's using it to build an, a fleet, right, an empire fleet. So she's part of the reason, and she's been doing this for at least the all the entire original trilogy, from what we gather from the information given. So she's been around, and she's one of those supporters that's. Basically, she's basically like a corporation that's helping the empire out. When you said Steve resources, I think they actually mentioned building the fleet for the empire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Ahsoka is trying to get she she wants information from Morgan Elsbeth, and uh, just we'll jump ahead a little bit. The person that she wants the information, well, she wants the information about Morgan Elsbeth's her boss, her boss. Yes, thank you. And who does she want the information about? Dude, you're seriously going right for the. I mean, we thought it was you're all just turn, you're just turning over cards here, man. You can't just you can't just <laughs> jam it in there like that. This is roller girl. <laughs> she said, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes. So there we go. 
I would like to say that I did point that out that we would possibly see Thrawn. That was one of my guesses. So I'm going back to that. I'm pulling that right now because, damn it, I never write. And fuck. <laughs> they are really just yeah. popping every load they got this season with every possible side character that they're going to bring in. So You know, that's a great point, but we only have two episodes left. I don't think we're going to see Thrawn in this season. I think we're going to get we have three. Is it seven episodes or eight? We've got three episodes, yeah. This oh, is episode five. Sorry. This yeah, is we've five. got three left. But so will we see the begs the question, what will we see Thrawn this episode? I mean this season. No. Uh yeah, I think they gotta slow their roll. I, I agree with the guys. Mm-hmm. I I'm glad they brought up Thrawn. I don't think they're gonna like we discussed this before. I don't think we're getting that overload of um, you know, guest spots. Look at here's Bo Katan and boom, she's gone. There's possibilities of them coming back just due to who the Mandalorian is and the connections to what we last saw in the Clone Wars and Rebels. I think there. This is a great tie-in series to that, and its own series at the same time. So I'm not bummed that we're getting these guest spots. Well, um, you know what? You know what I I do love about it uh, when they when they bring these they they name drop like this on the series so far. You know, there's no big musical cue. There's no big dun dun dun. It's just like you know, they just yeah, throw you, out his name. You you say that, but when Ahsoka referenced Yoda, name dropped Yoda, yeah, there was, there was an a, original old school John Williams trilogy music cue for that. Absolutely, yeah. you hear a little bit of Yoda's theme um, in the background, and the I I just a nod to the music throughout this entire episode was fantastic. The the musical cues are fantastic. Um, but Bo Katan in in episode four just or episode three just mentions um, you know go to and find Ahsoka Tano and tell her that I sent you you know again it was just sort of like dropped in there as conversation and it felt very natural it doesn't feel forced that way I know but it, it does but I I gotta I gotta jump in here for a minute so I read an article I gotta give credit I didn't come up with this but. I'm gonna dub the. I'm gonna go with the Mandalorian unofficial working title should be Side Quest, the television series, because that's how every freaking episode goes. He's like given a quest and he starts off the episode. Oh, I'm at the location of the quest, and he gets there, and now he has to do an, another quest within the episode, and then he's given a new quest that all fits into the overarching thing of his big quest of trying to get Baby Yoda, which we glossed right over that. We jumped right to Admiral Thrawn, tried to get Baby Yoda. You know, to the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the so SideQuest TV show, episode. I liked this episode. It was great. It's like a video game that never ends. You know, yeah. it, 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 I, I see where you're going, but I, I think they have to build a long-term goal. And I think they're doing it the right way. So, yes, it does seem a little SideQuest-y. And they're, you know, this, you know, to put it in the video game parlance that kind of people are criticizing this, this season for, mm. you, you know, this is the escort mission episode. This is the jump right through it and, and kick all the bad guys ass episodes. And we're going to get to the final boss episode as well. So there, but there is a structure that they've got to stick to. And I appreciate that they're doing this this way because it gives you something. It gives you a reason to want to come back. I want to see Thrawn come back. I want to see them get to the next level. I want to see him get to the Jedi temple and put, you know, baby, you know, put baby Yoda on the pedestal up there. Well, we, we again we glossed over that part, but uh, yeah. But but to to add to Greg's thing, I 
I don't mind that he's having quests because that is literally what this guy's job is in life. He is a he's a bounty hunter. So having these little side quests kind of kind of feeds what his character is while he's trying to continue on this main, you know, quest or this thing that he's doing. Um, although it did seem to could have come to a complete halt, but um, we got a we got a little denial there. <laughs> now we're on a, another <laughs> quest with, with uh, the newly named Baby Yoda. How about? Yeah. That. Yeah, let's let's hit that. So so Mando, uh, you know, is charged with finding the Jedi, well, killing the Jedi from Morgan Elsbeth, although he never agrees to it. He just says, well, where do I find this Jedi? Goes and he finds Ahsoka. Ahsoka attacks him. He defends himself, makes himself known that he was referred to her by uh, by a friend. Oh, and and right away. Um, Ahsoka connects with baby Yoda. I, I do like that moment, Steve. Have this beautiful moment. Yes. One, we get to see a, a bunch of stuff in the sequence. So let me just ramble through this super fast. Uh, one, we get to finally see Beskar steel de- deflect basically lightsabers. We finally get to see how powerful it is Two, We get, you know, blaster bolts are, are put aside seeing two blades just slam up against both of his, his gauntlets there on his wrist. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the 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 hey you know what a friend sent me moment was hilarious to me because he's he's name dropping Bo Katan who he also had a problem with with the helmet removal thing that doesn't seem to phase her for a moment it's the moment when he says it there's a pause and she looks over and oh there's a little Yoda over there <laughs> like just hanging in the back we need to talk and she says I hope it's about him I hope it's about him and there was that just that great moment and then we get a ton of backstory up. Uh, that's, I just wanted to point those little moments out because it cracked. Oh, and the fight between the two of them, it's short, but so good. Like, you really get to see how good. I mean, we saw all the stuff with her, you know, Ahsoka battling all these, like, basically stormtrooper-looking characters, um, whatever they are, <laughs> mercenaries. Uh, but you get to see her and a Mandalorian, which is so great to finally see the Jedi and a Mandalorian in live action battling each other. You know, oh, and you get to see some of that Mandalorian training that that came across in the previous movies. You know, but Boba Fett uses his little grappling hook to wrap around Luke Skywalker yes. and Jedi, and, and right, and Din Jaren pulls that same move on Ahsoka, and she finds a way out of it creatively. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think man, the Mandalorian is is no Boba Fett. Like, I think he's, <laughs> I think we're seeing like, oh, he has a fighting style and skills that are above and beyond what. We see from Boba Fett the most klutzy but successful bounty hunter in the history of the galaxy. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to take the opposite side of that argument because during over the course of two seasons, he has gotten his ass kicked a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I he mean, is. he had that monster run him over that Baby Yoda that he only went through because Baby Yoda saved him. Yeah, the Mudhorn kicked his ass. The, the, mud, the Mudhorn just completely devastated him. He was almost taken out by all of the bounty hunters uh, back on Navarro before he was saved by the, the gang of Mandos. Mm. Um, you know, he's always needed somebody to help him get him out, get out of the GFs. He is a great fighter, don't get me wrong, but he is not, he's by no means the perfect fighter. He's, he's getting better. How about that? <laughs> but, but Scott, to your point, we saw Beskar Steel successfully deflect dual-wielded lightsabers. Now, the value of Beskar Steel totally makes sense in this universe. If yeah. that is something that's impervious to a lightsaber, that is a high, high-value commodity. 
Yeah. Well, from a show point of view, yes, I agree with you, Dave. From a show standpoint, it's great to have the moment set up because obviously what happens with the final showdown between uh, Ahsoka and the magistrate makes a lot more sense why she's just holding this staff, even though she does say it's Beskar Steel. Um, but yeah, it, it really was one of those moments for me just to see him like both hands up, both sabers coming down in what literally would have been the death blow right there. And it was just a, it was a freeze frame moment for me. Like I'm watching, I'm like, this is so badass right here. I loved it. And, and might that moment might the, the reason for Beskar steel be that the Mandalorians and the Jedi were ancient enemies, right? Yes. Exactly. Enemies yeah. Mandalorians would, would want to have Beskar steel. Um, we get the great sequence with, with Ahsoka uh, and baby Yoda. Our newly uh, named baby Yoda. Bonding bonding over the force and they're communicating by reading each other's thoughts are we saving the reveal of the name because we're going to have a gigantic argument about it later on is that what we're doing we're saving it till right now where she's because <laughs> we clearly established we're not doing the episode in chronological order in terms yeah. of information <laughs> this is the tarantino the episode. producer you can make that decision um, <laughs> um she name drops grogu, grogu. Uh, i'm sorry I, I i something was in my ears did you say gogurt <laughs> Well, I, I wrote to Dave and said, um, it's one word, one letter away from Gregu. Exactly. Sort of <laughs> exactly. We could have had our own Gregu on the show. Yeah, Gro- so Grogu is the short name. It's Grogery is the, is the full version. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that more. <laughs> I, I, I seriously, I was drinking at the time and I had a spit take when that came out. I'm like, wow, really? Grogu? Okay. It's going to take guys, some to digest. Like, like I said in the pre-show, we, we, in the universe where we also had Yaddle, Grogu is just fine. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I'll I don't, take yeah. I'm, I'm fine with Grogu. I'm more interested in the backstory. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Grogu, our newly named buddy, Grogu, and it's, it's just real, so adorable how he responds I, whenever he hears his name. And like, I'm how sorry cool for is the that? interruption, but they're really just fucking with all of the merchandise that they've created so far for this show because now they can no longer call it the child. Yeah. All got to be shirts that say the child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stickers with Grogu going out. Those every piece of packaging going out there. They're they're all now collector items. But just watching how adorable it is, how he reacts to hearing his name. Just thinking about that, how he's probably not heard his name in like ten or twelve years, and suddenly it's like, oh yes, I am Grogu. It's like watching your dog or your cat once they <laughs> learn their name. Oh yeah, hi human, I'm here. But the backstory is so interesting to me. He was a student at the Jedi Temple. He right. studied under Jedi Masters, and somebody got him out of the temple as Order 66 was being executed, meaning as Anakin was walking through killing the younglings. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and they, they gloss over that. Like, his memory is clouded after that. It's hazy. Well, she says it goes dark. It goes dark, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, who, who rescued baby Grogu? And how? I got and a theory on that, Dave. And it, that, that's, it's a, such an interesting little unknown bit of backstory for the character now. But it also, it, it definitely gives weight, I think, to the theory that's been floating around for a while. When in Empire Strikes Back, when Yoda says, no, there is another, was he talking about Leia? Or mm. was he talking about Grogu? Mm, I like that. A, a trained Jedi. So now I'm, I'm also going... Is there a double meaning to the title? We've all been looking at the title of this chapter of the Jedi as being about the unveiling of Ahsoka, who is not actually a Jedi at this point because she left the Order. 
Grogu yeah. is actually more of a Jedi than Ahsoka is. And that is a card that got turned over in this episode. He is not just a Force-sensitive being. He is a Force-sensitive, trained, young, Padawan Jedi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you also made another great point. Um, and I think you should elaborate on this. He wasn't trained by one Jedi. Mm-hmm. He was trained by ma- multiple Master Jedis. Uh, uh, and I don't know if that's the exact verbiage that comes out of her mouth. I think she just says many mas- many Jedi Masters. Many Jedi, yeah. Jedi Masters, which typically yeah. it's one unless one takes over for the next one. So there's something extra special about this kid. And then the whole thing about him you know being rushed off and going into this dark period where it's cloudy that there's so much there there's just a ton of things that, i i don't know i there's a lot going on in this <laughs> so there's 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 a question i have on that and and you guys might know this better than i in star wars canon is it more typical for the young jedi are they all kind of are the youngest ones trained to give just kind of a basic building block thing at the Jedi Temple? So they like live, eat, sleep at the Jedi Temple until they get to a certain age or maturity point, and that's when they're assigned the the Jedi Master to train them one on one as a as a formal Padawan. You know, I don't know how that if that's covered like that, but I'm I'm assuming because yeah. they even talk about like Anakin being too young to train, so they're they're coming in at birth or just right after birth, so. Probably. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like, you know, and I'm just going off of uh, Revenge of the Sith here. It's, it seems like there's a Jedi kindergarten where they all kind of tra- train together, you know, and, and, I, and, and I think they're referred to younglings in that, yes. that. They're not Padawans yet. They're yeah. still younglings at that point. And so once they once they graduate Jedi ki- kindergarten, then they get to be a Padawan. And that starts, you know, just before. Anakin's age, I would I would think, because Anakin never got the chance to be a youngling. He jumped right into Padawan, and even at that point, he was too old. So, so Revenge of the Sith is about what twenty seven years prior to these events, thirty years. Yeah, I was trying to work out Close, the timeline. Yeah. Also, I think it's about thirty. So his age is equivalent to the age of a human. At that point. So in that sequence where we see the kindergarten sequence or whatever, he would have been in that little. He could have been. He yeah, could have been he, in could, that, he could have been in that group. He might have been just off camera. We just couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, but he's here's short. Here, he's very short. Here's one of my things that really got me. So Ahsoka was Anakin. There's so much. My God, there's so much to seriously this scene, Dave, and, and the backstory and the stuff that Ahsoka is telling um din jaren is there's more to it than what's being told because there's a great moment where she's talking about how she's not going to train him and that sequence she says a line that is so powerful to me and that's what really pushed this episode over the top for me believe it or not the fighting aside she says something how she's seen what this this fear that she sees in the kid can do to a fully trained Jedi. And that reference hits home because that is all about her and Anakin. And she saw what happened to Anakin. Also, she might not know what actually happened to Anakin. Like after, uh, you know, Vader dying on the Death Star or, and and then on the the funeral pyre and all that, she might not get that. So the last thing she knows is that her master turned into this evil person and could still be, I'm, I'm not could still be, uh, uh, but could 
be dead and died an evil person. Yeah, she doesn't know about the redemptive arc. The galaxy knows that Darth Vader is dead. Right. We know that from the, the canon books that have been written. But the the idea that Darth Vader used to be a Jedi and used to be a Jedi named Anakin Skywalker, let alone then redeemed himself, that is not common knowledge. Right, it's, right. It's right. known to a handful of people. Well, wasn't that dropped in that one Leia book? Because wasn't that part of it, the, the story it, of it that is, Leia but, book? It is, but I think that timeline-wise, that happens after this, because oh, uh, okay. Ben Solo is a, a young, mature kid at that point. Oh, okay. And, okay. and the unveiling of that book is more just, oh, Vader used to be Anakin Skywalker. Not that, oh, it was Anakin Skywalker, and then he went through a redemption, and that's how the rebellion, and that's how the Emperor was defeated. Well, right. Uh, yeah, I, I remember it being something like Leia being the daughter of Darth Vader, and that was, yeah. that yes. was a big deal in that one book. But it's the it's the redemption part that's that's yeah. missed on most of the universe. Yeah, I, I just sure. want to throw in, too, it's not just because of the fear that she is hesitant to train Grogu. It's the connectedness that he has the, with Mandalorian. The attachment, and which the goes attachment. right back to the prequel trilogy. Anakin has strong attachments. Right. And and the attachments make that drive the fear to anger, anger to hate, hate to suffering. Yeah. Right. So it's that it's that attachment that Baby Yoda has, that Grogu, excuse me, has yeah. with like that. like Scott says, this is when I when I mentioned earlier that this you know kind of plays to both the new fans and the old fans of the Clone Wars. Like, you know, I agree with Scott here. It's like this this is the scene that kind of bridges everybody together because when she says that, you can tell that, you know, as a new viewer that she's seen some shit, right? And and that she right. understands, you know, the power of the Jedi and the danger of 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 training inexperienced Jedi. Uh, but as an old fan, you realize, you know, okay, well, this is this is Darth Vader's Padawan, and so she, you know, to see her own master, who she, you know, idolized growing up, fall to such, you know, to such depths, she she does realize that it's how dangerous it is with these Force users. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I th- I'm going to go deeper on this too. Um, the fear, the uh, the obvious thing is she's talking about the fear she sees in him and the connection, the the familiarity between the two of them, uh, the Mandalorian and and God, Baby Yoda, Grogu. Uh, Grogu okay, got I got to get that in my head. Um, but I think it's also the fear she has in herself. I think there's a little bit of that, like some self awareness of everything she went through with Anakin. She even paralleled Anakin's kind of love story with another character uh, in the Clone Wars where she kind of fell in love with um, a separatist kid, like the son of somebody. Um, And there was a moment where there was some jealousy where another girl came in who was Saul Guerrero's daughter. Wasn't it daughter? Or sister or something? And there was a moment where she had a chance to let that that lady die. There was a she was falling off a cliff or something. I can't remember the specific scene where that's the girl that was kind of taking away her love interest, and she did the right thing where Anakin didn't slaughter the the sand people, killed you know the all the kids in the Jedi Temple. She saved that girl's life and didn't follow the same path as Anakin. So I, I think she's seeing those parallels, and that fear is also a fear that's inside of her. Yeah. Um, I, we have to have a nod to the visuals that come after this. And there's a, there's a lot to talk about here, but we need to move on to um, one last thing real quick before we move on. Yep. Just real quick. When she's like, here, Grogu, take the rock. Now give me the rock back. 
I just laughed because I was like, oh, the Force, it's all about moving rocks. I just I yeah. instantly thought of the ray line from The Last <laughs> Jedi. And I'm like, it, it's always about moving the damn rocks. Always. <laughs> why are they obsessed with stones? Yeah. Why are the Jedi so obsessed with rocks? What did rocks ever do to them? Anyway, sorry. Please continue. That's Mr. funny Mr. because <laughs> the visual I thought of was when was when Anakin force pushes the pear. The pear. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good thing that's not an egg because that thing's going to get gobbled up by uh, by Grogu. Yeah. Uh, the fight scenes uh, in the in the last third of the of the I almost said of the film, um, and it is so cinematic. It looks like a film, but um, it, just straight out, um, you know, uh, the the the. Battle at the OK Corral. Um, it, sort of like it, it reminded, honestly, when there was that moment of Ahsoka on the, the wooden bridge in the Japanese garden, I literally turned to Christine and I'm like, this is the best episode of Kung Fu I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to call out the 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 Tarantino influence again and say that's an homage to Kill Bill. That's how I'm yeah. going to call it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It just like yep. we fight at the end of volume one, Kill Bill. Which in itself is a, a tribute to what was the early 70s uh, reference lady lady snowbird was that what that came from that. i forget I, I'm, I'm not gonna try and i'm not gonna try way. to get into tarantino's head exactly, exactly. Like, that's supposed to be in the fireplace <laughs> it just had the had the had the samurai feel had yeah. had the sort of the you know good the bad and the ugly oh, um wait, 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 I, see this is Guys, this is why I don't have the, the coffee. I, I mean, this is why I need the coffee, because I got a million things to say. The other thing we're totally glossing over is the cameo in this one by oh, Mike. Mike yeah. Bain. I, I, was waiting to, I was waiting to bring that up, but I'm, I'm glad you did, because because good to see that guy still out there and kicking around. <laughs> yeah. Literally taking around. <laughs> that guy oh, just, exactly. he needs to be in a Star Trek episode at this point, so he can just, like, hit everything, right? He's been in alien he's been in terminator now he's been in star wars right like what what hasn't this what major sci-fi franchise hasn't come on in? let's not forget navy seals come on <laughs> who <laughs> could forget navy seals with charlie sheen who uh, could forget that guys the rock oh wish with your favorite oh, that's right he was in the rock yeah is michael bain in the rock yes he, yeah he dies yeah. early on okay. yeah. part of the the the, the good guy Marine team that tries to infiltrate the the prison and get shot in the bathroom. Yeah. I also want to invite our listeners to tune into our new spinoff podcast, Movies I Forgot Michael Bain Was In, which will be launching next weekend. <laughs> uh, the, the, visuals, the, the visuals of the complex, um, gosh, just straight out of Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie's sketchbook. Um, uh, above when they were looking down in the in the beginning of the of the show at Ahsoka, that whole complex where they show the, the front of it um, with the big door and the the I don't know, sort of the covering on the top. It just looks looks so Macquarie. Of course, the buildings, all those sort of roundish buildings, all straight out of Macquarie. Yeah, um, uh, yeah that's so, see the there, big, there is a throwback in that sequence. I'm yeah. sorry, Scott. I'm going to jump in over you because I think you're gonna you might be able to help me out with this. But uh, when Mando is running down the litany of what they're going to face in this fight, he says there are two HK whatever droids. Eighty seven. I am 99% sure that the HK droid, assassin droid, that is a throwback to the old Knights of the Old Republic video game. It is. Uh, although the call number, like IG-11, was changed. Uh, they're called AK or HK-47s in this, 
I believe. And in the game, they're like HK 85 or something like that. So, so just, just another way that they're taking this tapestry of the old expanded universe that was erased by uh, Disney when they bought it and bringing the threads back in, just weaving a different pattern for us. Oh yeah. And there was another game reference and I'm, I'm going to, I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, shoot. We'll well, the whole show's a video game, so it's appropriate. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we get we get to the final moments of the show, guys. We're we're jumping ahead to the to the final moments here. Um, Mando gets some instructions from Ahsoka. He says another quest. You don't say. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I guess in universe it's fine. Mando's like, fine, okay, I'll just go to the next place. I have to I have to get to. Um, go to the planet Tython. Uh, there you'll find an ancient ruins of a temple that is a strong connection to the Force. Place Grugo on the seeing stone at the top of the mountain, and Grogu may choose his path. Tython, I think, is an, another uh, extended universe um, reference, right? Back to the but old Republic. It's a, I think it's a current extended universe, though, because I think it's appeared yeah. in the, the comics since Disney acquired, as opposed to things that were done prior to Disney acquiring it. But I could be wrong on that. I'm just I'm 90% sure it was in a Dr. Afra comic at one point. Okay. Regardless, I just want to point out that Got putting it. the MacGuffin in the doohickey, which is the motto of every Disney Marvel <laughs> Star Wars movie, literally the MacGuffin is baby, baby Yoda in this quest. Yeah. 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 Were but, you sad at the end that, you know, is this going to be, is Ahsoka going to be a one-off character? Oh, no. This is this Maybe is not this series. Yeah, I I, I don't know that. I, I think we see her again, but we we you know we see her very sparingly. I think all the guest actors kind of only appear very sparingly as well, because you know IG Eleven was in two episodes, Nick Nolte was in three, and I think he was in the most of them. So yeah. I think you know if it, maybe we see her once more, but I think we definitely see her next season. This this felt like also a, a jump off point for like an Ahsoka spinoff series, and if it's something that's coming, I would love it. So are we getting a Ahsoka series, and so Ahsoka going after Thrawn and Bo-Katan in a separate series going after the Dark Saber? Mm. Well, they have talked about wanting to do more of expanding the TV mm. side of things, and that would be a great way and one of the best characters to really do it. Ahsoka is one that I would love to see an entire series based off of. We are we are already getting an Obi Wan series. Yeah. So potentially so four that are out there. I I am wondering if Disney isn't realizing that the way to kind of make use of the in, of the intellectual property, if you will, is not to do you know, hey, we've got this established character, let's make a movie trilogy out of it, like they attempted to do with Han Solo and Solo. The idea. The idea is, hey, we've got this established character. Let's make a limited series out of it. And maybe we get three or four seasons, but that's that's content that's kind of green for a long time as opposed to a movie that's a flop and we never do anything. I mean, the idea of Han Solo as a young smuggler running around in the time frame between Revenge of the Sith and the original uh, Star Wars A New Hope, that that could have made a great series. Yeah, you so know, I would I'm watch call that. that potential for a, a fifth out there because there have been rumors that they want to continue that mm-hmm. the the Crimson the Crimson Dawn Crimson Sun. What's the okay. name of the organization? Sounds Crimson like I, I know it sounds like a, it sounds like a terrorist organization that Hans Gruber referenced in Die Hard, <laughs> doesn't it? But it, it's it's 
there, there, there's been talk of them continuing that because it obviously that was supposed to have a sequel attached to it, and I don't, I think it's pretty obvious there's not going to be one. But I think they want to continue that story of Darth Maul and you know being lord of this criminal underworld. So that's that's potential number five. Well, and as Scott alluded to, the uh, the armorer for Mandalorian has uh, Darth Maul-esque horns on her helmet, and he was the head of a criminal syndicate that had some links to the separatist Mandalorian uh, Mandalorian group that our yeah. hero is a part of. And it, it is that organization. It is Crimson Dawn as Greg's walking away. <laughs> I was trying to, um, but I'm, ass- I'm assuming the cat is getting into something. Probably. Yeah, so Maul ran the Crimson Dawn uh, underworld organization, but also uh, the other one they do mention is Black Sun, which would lead into other expanded universe characters, bringing them back from the Legends and that would be like the Prince um, Shizor or Zizor, however you pronounce it, and uh, the whole Shadows of the Empire. So I'm just going to throw out, they're going to send out a call to a Jedi. There is really only one known Jedi in the universe at this point who might respond to Gogurt tripping the MacGuffin and the doohickey thing. And that is Luke Skywalker himself. Yes. As we played by Sebastian Stan. <laughs> Winter Sol- what, what about Ezra Bridger? Oh, yeah, Ezra. Well, if, if Thrawn is known to be back, then Ezra also has to be back. Right. Didn't yeah. Ezra and Thrawn, weren't they sort of tied together at the end of Rebels? Yeah. I, I, I got to go back and watch that and figure out how they how they exited. So you're but I you're, think you're correct. Are... If one is off stage, the other is also off stage. If one is back on stage, the other one has to be back on stage somewhere. Got it. Well, to a theory, yes, but he could also be dead. Hmm. I just want to call out other uh, Michael Bean movies that we've forgotten about. He was obviously Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Yes. Oh, so good in that role. I that love is, him in that role. Strong. It's an, underrated, it's an underrated movie. Yeah. Agreed. By the way, have you done any voice texting and tried to voice text anyone? Grogu? Um, <laughs> Grogu? No, I have not. Uh, I came up with uh, Groglu, <laughs> thanks to Siri, and Kroger. <laughs> Welcome to our new feature, Siri. <laughs> Siri mistranslations. Dave, uh, you said something uh, that was insightful yesterday <laughs> over text. You said, "How many pets are going to be named Grogu in the next <laughs> in the next year?" There's a whole generation of kittens and puppies for Christmas this year that are going to be named Grogu. That is my prediction. <laughs> well, guys, this was a stellar episode. I think we all agree. Episode five, season two. Of the Mandalorian, it just keeps getting better and better. And um, boy, the last two weeks, the season so far has been crushing it. But the last two episodes have been just perfect. Star Wars, amazing, amazing. Could not agree more. Mm. In my two-word well, review, <laughs> guys, uh, have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday for episode six of season two. If you're frustrated that you didn't uh, get enough from season five, let us know what you thought about it. You know what the number is. I'm not going to say it again. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week. And may the force be with us all. Gobble, gobble. The name of this STI just looks like it hurts. And it really does.